And welcome back into Barrels and Barrels at Bourbon and Baseball Podcast. This week's episode, we're talking about Redwood Empire, bourbon whiskey, also the AL West heating up. That is getting to be a close race. And the NL and AL wildcard races are coming into full form. And also the Chicago White Sox organization. There's a lot going on. We'll talk all that more in Barrels and Barrels this episode coming up. This is Barrels and Barrels. A Berman and Baseball Podcast with your hosts, Brandon Spinner and Michael Burns. You heard the man. This is Barrels and Barrels, a Berman and Baseball Podcast. I am Brandon. That's Michael. We talk hey. bourbon. We talk baseball. High proof, high heat. Michael Burns, high heat across the country. Are you okay down there? Bro, it, it's 96 degrees at 6 p.m. Um wanting to go on that popsicle walk with my girls but the popsicles don't make it man they just don't make it and we either it's a bath night or not it's basically determining if we go on those popsicle walks if if it's bath night (laughs) we'll go for a popsicle walk otherwise we think can get washed up as it is right Right. uh had ice cream outside last night at the y'all's game the florence y'all's and we can talk more on that later but uh aubrey had ice cream everywhere because it was nine it was 90 here so that's not too bad today was even hotter and then it's Tomorrow, the day that this episode drops, it's going to be the hottest day in Cincinnati since 2012. So that's how hot it is. And uh, speaking of hot, our proof is hot. High proof, high heat, bourbon, baseball. We're talking baseball first. This is episode 39. Welcome in. Uh, We start off our episodes with the best number 39. Or not every episode, but... Whatever the number is of the episode, that's the jersey number we go for. So episode 39, Michael Burns, have you done any research this week? I did because who wears the number 39? I mean, really. Jason who, Hamill does. Who, who chooses that number? So what, what this what this whole segment, the point is, is to learn new players that you may not know about. And uh, that's definitely the case for me this week as number 39 is I'm going to pull up who's worn it the most. I mean, Max Scherzer's on it. He wore it for the first two years of his career. Jeff Kent wore yep. it for a year. Those are guys I know, but... I mean, Ricky Henderson wore it for one year. He's got the most war of any player who's worn the jersey, but I think there's probably two or maybe three we can argue, I think, in my mind, for the best. Um, I've got two listed here. Uh, Dave Parker, who wore it for the most. Okay. Um, he's got a war of 40.1. And then there is Kevin mm-hmm. Kiermeyer who has worn it for 10 years with a war of 34.8. And I don't think either of them are the best player to ever wear 39. <laughs> That's what this is all about, though. And we're going to have a debate. Uh, another player out there, Larry Jackson, 52 career war. He only wore it for eight years. But the name I want to throw in there is Roy Campanella. Roy Campanella. Um, He's only worn it technically for 10 years, but he played in the Negro Leagues half his career. Okay. But but think about these eight years. He played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Uh, is it 10 years? Excuse me. So 10 years wearing it from 1948 through 1957. He was the MVP three times. Holy crap. Yeah. He won the MVP in 1951, in 1953, and in 1955. He was the number 10th in the ten, uh, MVP vote in 1952. And out of those 10 years, he was an all-star eight times. So that is my vote. Is Am I Roy saying Campanella. that he's a pitcher, too? 
Uh, he may have been. I only see um, his, from 1948 to 1957 a position of two. And that's that's catcher. That's not pitcher. Sorry. <laughs> that's catcher. Catcher. Pitcher. Yes. Yeah, so he was a catcher. It says right here. Baseball I was going to say he led the league. Position. He led the catcher. <laughs> he led the league in RBI in 1953. I was going to say if he was a pitcher, then we're talking about Shohei Otani. Right. That's why I was. <laughs> no. That's why I was flabbergasted looking at this. I was like, oh my gosh, why have I not heard of this guy before? Yeah, so he played in the Negro Leagues for eight years. Um, but he played more of his career, or the best years of his career, you could say, were in the Major Leagues. He played in the NL uh, with the Brooklyn Dodgers, 10 years. A, uh, as I mentioned, three MVP awards. He's in the Hall of Fame, uh, 11-time All-Star, but eight times he's uh, won the All-Star, or not won the All-Star, but went to the All-Star game as a Brooklyn Dodger. He won a batting title. I'm going Roy Campanella, catcher, one of the best players at Negro Leagues, Major Leagues, in my mind, best 39 out there. That, that's, I mean, I didn't look at him. I looked at a little bit of Dave Parker, who won MVP one time. I mean, uh, but this is quite the story for Roy Campanella. Did I say that right? Campanella. Yeah, Campanella. Roy Campanella. Dave Parker would have been a good one. Uh, Dave Parker is a good name. Pirate, Red. Oakland. Uh, I think he won the World Series with the Blue Jays in 91 uh, after getting traded there from the California Angels at the time. Dave Parker would would been, I, I'd say he's the runner-up. He's got a couple of gold gloves. He played first base, I believe. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm leaning Roy Campanella. Campanella I like Campanella. Hall of, he's a Hall of Famer. Dave is not. Three-time MVP, 11-time mm. uh, All-Star, and he didn't even, he could have had more accolades had he been in the MLB longer. Yeah, and to think about what, well, how old was he when he made it to the majors? What does it say? It said that was his 26-year-old season. So he started in the Negro Leagues at 15 years old. Holy crap. He only played six games. but uh, And also he didn't play as many games in the Negro Leagues uh, over that decade. It was 35, 40, 47, 41, 56, but... 56 led the Negro Leagues back in 1945. So definitely, uh, I'm leaning Roy. He, get this. He only played 83 games in 1948, and he still was the 25th, uh, 21st place vote for MVP in 1948. And he only played uh, 60% of the, the season. Yeah, I'm going Roy Campanella. I think yeah. that's a slam dunk. We both agree. So Roy Campanella episode. Cheers to Roy. Uh, this is Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast. We talk bourbon, we talk baseball. I've already mentioned that multiple times. We are on YouTube. You can find us at Barrels and Barrels Pod. We put out exclusive content there weekly. Our new segment, Thieves of the Week, which is our top five plays of the week. Also, you can find our top ten power rankings there exclusively every Monday morning. Go hit the subscribe button. If you're watching, hit that subscribe button below. Thanks for joining in. If this is your first time, you're on Instagram. You can find us, Barrels and Barrels Pod. Again, that is the letter N in the middle. Facebook and TikTok. You can find us at the same handle, at Barrels and Barrels Pod. And on X, formerly Twitter, at barrels and barrels find us wherever you stream your podcast that's apple amazon stitcher is stitcher around anymore i'm probably going to get rid of that on our agenda spotify google and iHeartRadio podcasts please do us a favor we'd love to hear your thoughts we only get better from your reviews of our show 
right? We're only we're not going to get better without any critique or criticism. So let us know what you think. If you like our shows, tell us what you like the best. Tell us what you think we can improve on. Leave a review. Leave us a rating. We'd love to read that on air. And if you don't want us to read it, just say, hey, uh, don't read this in the podcast, please. But uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts or just send us a d- DM. Tell us maybe a segment idea or something along those lines. Oh, Again, those that is on... <laughs> yeah, slide in the don't slide into the DMs that way. Um, and also, Michael's wearing a T-shirt. You can only see it on YouTube, but one of the comfiest T-shirts I've ever owned. Thanks to our friends Charlie Mike Never Weekend. That's where you can find that T-shirt. CharlieMikeNeverWeekend.com. We go from extra small all the way to triple X. So we've got a wide variety of sizes. So no matter what size you are, we've got a T-shirt for you. Only twenty-one or older, though. No kids. Because we are a bourbon podcast. (laughs) Glassware, we also have that for sale. I'm going to be drinking out of our Whiskey Wisdom glass. We only have three of these left. So if you wanted one, there's only three left. But we've got two with glasses as well as Glen Karen's ready to go. Head on over to our Instagram page. There's a link in our link tree. And you can find that information. And if you want to buy one of the hats that I'm wearing, those are for sale as well. Those are starting to fly out the door. So without further ado, we are part of the bourbon podcast as we get going this week, we are going with Pipe Dream. This is Redwood Empire Pipe Dream coming out of California, a distillery um, out of California. But this is a blended bourbon coming in from California. Michael, you've got the bottle. I know the mash bill is 75214. So this is pretty much mm, okay. an MGP kind of mash, I believe. Um, yeah, the bottle does proof. say distilled in California, Indiana, Kentucky, and Tennessee. Yeah, so a four-state blended whiskey. So I think some of that's their own distillate because I've heard a podcast with John Edwards on Dad's Drinking Bourbon. I believe they're doing a little bit of their own distilling, but most of that's coming from Tennessee, Kentucky, and, of course, Indiana. And Indiana's going to be MGP. So the other two sources, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> MSRP, though, on this puppy, 30 to 35 bucks. So it's a cheaper bottle. Now I think it's widely available. I see it in most spots now. I, I'm looking for the cask strength more so because I'm a snob. But uh, high proof, baby. I'm excited. <laughs> high proof, high heat. Uh, but this is my first time trying this. You've had the bottle before. Um, right I've off the nose, bit, get... I've, I've done a little bit, a little bit of damage on my own, I, and for, oh, yeah. I haven't gone to it. I, I don't feel like that often. But you've given out many samples, or am I the only one? No, I'm, I guess I've just gone to it here a little bit. So Brandon noses it. The name uh, Redwood comes from, uh, or I'm sorry, Pipe Dream is named for the 14th tallest tree on the planet. So Pipe Mm -hmm. Dream is made from barrels aged between 4 to 12 years with a high corn mash bill, as Brandon already said. Um, the, The land of the ancient giants on the bottle stated here. I'll read what it says. The Redwood Empire stretched from San Francisco onto the Oregon Boulder. Boulder. Border. (laughs) <laughs> it is sparsely populated area with often inaccessible coastline drenched in fog, rocky cliffs, and steep mountains. This region is home to the majestic coastal redwoods, some more than 350 feet high and 2,000 years old. That's insane. You know, is this like 357 feet tall, I think, is this one? I, I was reading on the website. I probably misread it, but... Pipe dream uh, is the name of the tree, right? Right. 350 feet high and 2,000 years old. So pretty, pretty cool. I, I like when they when names are tied to something like that. Yeah. 
it's got a story. It's got a history. Um, and that's, I'm sure, what they're trying to develop here is the history of themselves, right? They're a relatively new brand on the scene in the last couple of years. At least that's when I started to notice them. I think in 2021 is when I really started to hear more and more about them. Uh, right off the nose, I mean, I get a classic bourbon, cinnamon, oak, vanilla, cherry. It is a right strong nose. It, it is. Uh, you do get a lot going on with it. It's not a dull nose, in my opinion. No, there, there's a lot to it. Um, as I swirl in my glass, I'd say it's got more of a yellowish tint to it. It's not quite as dark for the combination of 4 and 12 years in there. I would have expected it to be darker. It doesn't mean necessarily that it doesn't have flavor. On your Pix app, you'd be saying that this is light oak. Yeah, light oak, probably, at least on the color. Uh, I'm almost going to say mellow corn kind of flavor uh not flavor um <laughs> mellow corn kind of color to this so what do you get on the nose i've got like i said the classic bourbon notes like vanilla baking spice cinnamon yeah i get a i get a little maple and honey in there the sweetness mm-hmm. tail there um not a strong vanilla a little bit of a alcohol nose a little bit because it, it is a powerful nose yeah, there's some ethanol to it. Yeah, for sure. But it's not yeah. overpowering. Some of them you get that nose in there and they just just pull ethanol and that's all you get. Like this one there's definitely character, for sure. Yeah, I took a I took a sip there and uh it definitely hits you with uh with flavor. It is it is a mm-hmm. rich flavor in there. Um would you guess that this is what well, I mean just like off your sip there, what proof do you think this is? You know, I know you I know the pro- proof, but you does it taste? I would have probably said ninety two, ninety four, a little bit more than the ninety. There's a little tingle there to make it feel a little more mid to high nineties. It doesn't have that burn that anything over one hundred or even a bottle and bond would have, but I, I, it does have some tingle to it. I think part of that's probably that twenty one percent rye. Um, off the bat, I mean, it's good. It's got a good mouth feel. I'd call it buttery. Yeah, um, I was gonna say right. with the low proofs, you usually get more of a velvety, a velvety finish in the mouth, um, mm-hmm. without it thinning out. So either uh, for me, a lower proof. If you don't have this velviness, this heaviness, then it gets real syrup. It gets too syrupy sometimes. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I kind of repeated myself a little bit there, but that's my that's that gets my concern when so, you get to ninety and below. So Pete and repeat are on a boat. Pete falls out. Who's left? I'm not going to say it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You've messed with the bit here, Michael. <laughs> I, I'm a dad. I know the bit. <laughs> so I think this is very good. I've got, uh, it, it's got a rye hit to it, to me. Yeah. Like, certainly, you can definitely pull the rye out of that. There's young to mid oak, uh, mid, medium oak, um, and some cinnamon fireball flavor to me. It, this Ooh. is just a classic bourbon to me. Like not the cinnamon fireball drink, but like one of those fireball candies. Um, gotcha. Like where it's got the almost a pop roxy feel. That that candy then with a woody char finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely get char it's, on the end. And it's not an overly sweet candy. It's like um, a big red chewing gum in my mind. I guess that would be how I compare it to. It's got a little bit of honeyness to it, but I don't think it's overly sweet. I don't think it's overly bitter either. I think there's a little bit of everything. You know, I, I bet would be delicious. 
is the cast strength version of this. Oh, I, I bet you. So I'm going to go out ahead and say this is an everyday player for me. And I bet you that the cast strength would probably be the all-star version. But at 35 bucks, I mean, it's, I could sip on this daily in yeah. my mind. For, for 35 bucks, that's hard. It's, it's a great go-to pour. And sure. it's available, too. I think widely available. You got that in? Did you get that it. in Huntsville? I don't think so. I can't I actually can't remember where. I feel like I got it. I got it in, in Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, I got it in when Chicago in April. Yeah. So Alabama, you may not be able to find it. So Alabama listeners, I'm sorry, you can't find anything there. But Just anywhere head, else, <laughs> yeah, head north or or especially east of Georgia, you'll find you'll yes. find the cast strength for sure. But. Uh, I'm going with Everyday Player on our Barrels and Barrels of Bourbon Baseball Podcast rating scale. Michael Burns, what do you have this at? I'm I'm going to go one step down. Um, just I'm going to go with a bench. It's a little the 90 proof for me. For, for, if you're an, a, a new whiskey drinker, new bourbon drinker, this is perfect. If you want to venture out from the Elijah Craig's, the Four Roses, the Knob Creek, and go, venture into the craft, this is delicious. But for mm-hmm. me, at 90 proof, it's a little too low of a proof for my liking. I'm, I'm snobbing this up for sure. Absolutely. I'm sticking my nose up and saying it's a little too velvety for me. And I get too much of a, a, a full mouth. It, it, for, if you're, if, this is like a Basil Hayden kind of take. But instead of 80 proof, it's not. It's the next step up at 90 proof. I think Basil I Hayden. Go to, I, I see what you're saying. I'm going with Everyday Player. Michael went with a bench. That is our bourbon and baseball rating scale. We go from Hall of Fame, which is our top rating. We haven't done that yet before. And who knows if we'll ever be ballsy enough to do that. But (laughs) that is the immaculate, right? Hall of Fame baseball players. We just talked about Roy Campanella. 1% of them make the Hall of Fame. 1% 1% of our pours make the Hall of Fame. Number two is an all-star. Uh, not a ton of those, but still, they come a little more often. Yes, we've had we've had a handful of all-stars. Uh, I can I, I can see them, though, on my shelf here. The, you know, one, <laughs> two, three, at least three. Yeah, I know. I've had, I think, five of them. I know you had one at Nashville Barrel Company. That's um, right. As well, uh, and I think I did as well. But All Star is kind of the bottle that you save just for your whiskey friends. You've got a backup to your backup to your backup. Uh, that is the one that you probably love the most on your shelf if you don't have a Hall of Famer. And then next, I rated Everyday Player. Everyday Player is one of those go to, not you're drinking every day, but you know you can go to it any day of the week and it's going to be satisfying, right? It, it's going to come through. Just like one of those everyday players in your lineup. You've got a player who you can depend on day in and day out in your lineup, and that's what this is. You've got a whiskey lineup, which maybe you have seven or eight whiskeys you go to a week, but that's always going to be one of the five if the other three are your bench players, and those bench players are those who come in the clutch. Yeah, the difference in that uh, all-star and everyday, the all-star you might milk that last little bit of the bottle, the everyday you crush right through and go on to the next one. But yeah, the, and ho- hopefully you get a backup real quick on that one. Right. The the level down from everyday player that I rated this one, a bench, it, it is not a knock. It still has its place on your shelf that you enjoy every now and then. It's something that mm-hmm. you may, maybe you don't crush, but you enjoy it. It could be a dessert bourbon. It could be just something like this that has a unique flavor 
I know sometimes we have some that are really high proof that you don't necessarily want that high of proof every all the time. Uh, so they have their key situations that they play well in. And lastly, yeah, um, Brandon's favorite. The DFA. I've only done it to one thing, I believe. I think it was the New Riff Winter Whiskey. You'll have to go back and listen to that episode. Uh, I think we call it Sucking on Chocolate. Chocolate rain. <laughs> but I call Michael the Axe Man, Mr. DFA. That means you're cut off the team. In baseball, if you're DFA, that means designated for assignment. It means you're, pag- you're sent-, sent to the minors sometimes. Sometimes you're just cut from the team totally. Uh, so... Uh, you don't want to get a DFA. Um, usually, we don't do that, but if it deserves it, it gets the axe, and it gets cut off the team. So, a big shout-out to Redwood Empire. Michael, you got this, I think, at Binnie's um, for 30 to 35 bucks, wherever you're going to find it. I think this is a good pour. If if you haven't tried Redwood Empire, it's not going to break your... Bake your little, 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 little. Uh, oh, by the way, I'm not going to edit any of this tonight. I'm just going to... Th- we're going one foul smooth cut tonight. So you're going to hear some stuff you may not normally hear in an episode, like me make some noises or Michael clears throat or maybe me stumble on multiple words, something along those lines. You're probably going to hear it in this episode. We hope you enjoy it. But uh, I would say it's not going to break your bank if you've been debating trying it. I would say grab it. I've passed up on it a couple times just because I knew you had the sample for me. Yep. But if I see it again and I'm looking for another bottle of whiskey, uh, I might be leaning towards this the next time I'm going shopping. This reminds me of our uh, when we reviewed Jepsons. I was going to say, you're going right towards the Jepsons because I was thinking the same thing on the nose to me for sure. I just killed that bottle the other day. Um, that was 100 proof, though. This is 90. So... Uh, yeah, step uh, up. Basil Hayden, yeah. Pipe Dream, mm-hmm. Jepsons, Jepsons. 90, baby. So while we're still on the topic of bourbon, Michael Burns did something cool this past week and weekend. Um, you made your first trip to the Bourbon Trail. What What'd you think? Where'd you go? I did. We started out at probably the most like classic farm of Maker's Mark. They had all the barns painted. It was out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, my wife really, no, my my wife really enjoyed that one. She thought it was really cool. That was historic. I'd like to be there. And uh, that the history of the wife really wearing the pants during the whole Maker's Mark history. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to dip my own bottle. I dipped my own, as Brandon put it, little guy of Maker's Forty Six, <laughs> three seventy five milliliter. Because <laughs> um, that stuff's expensive. Now, if you're ever going to Maker's and you're going to dip your own bottle. And you think, I'm going to dunk this guy. They only put the thing so deep that you can only neck a bottle. But you can't, <laughs> you can't get the dunk in there. We found that out. Uh, someone who had a full liter bottle hit the bottom of the tank as he tried to dunk it. <laughs> so Maker's Mark is looking out, looking out there. And that if you see a dunked bottle, someone tried real hard for that. I don't know how they did it. <laughs> So where else do you visit? Maker's Mark. I, th- I think you sent me a picture from Four Roses. Yeah, we hit up the Four. We couldn't get into Four Roses Distillery, but we hit up the bottling warehouse. We got to go into the the Rick House of Four Roses. Is that um, where you took the picture? Um, where I took the the picture of like the barrels all behind me. Yeah, that was that was Four yeah. Roses. That was pretty cool. I got to pick up the distiller's pick from Brent Elliott. Um, I'm wondering if you have the same one or not. I might. I might. Do you want me to go grab it? 
Uh, we can we can look in a minute here. Uh, okay. So then we went from history of makers in Jim Beam, and we went over to the new campus of Lux Row that was built in 2018. It's beautiful. It was, and so if you if you aren't familiar with their products, Davies County, um, as I'm speaking, I'm bl- blanking. Ezra Brooks. Yes. Um, Rebel. And so Lux. Lux 12, I think that they are also partners. The, well, they're owned by MGP now. And so they also sell Limestone Branch, Yellowstone. One. Yep. And, yep. Uh, they've got the Yellowstone regular bourbon at 93 proof. I think they've got the single malt there as well. Uh, they got one more that's escaping my mind right now as well. So what was, what was delicious about Lux Row was we got to leave our own bourbon out of a, one of their barrels so it wasn't blended oh. it wasn't watered down it was bourbon strength or barrel strength and it was the best stuff out of all their products because then we did a tasting after and it was it was fantastic the straight from the barrel was delicious but you can't buy yeah. that product because they blend it which do you know which blend it would have been part of or it was their rye blend they have the rye blend and the wheat blend so like the uh ezra books is the wheat mm-hmm. and so the the rye barrel was it was 128 proof it was delicious then we went and sampled the ezra books and the davies county and the rebel and those mm-hmm. didn't I mean, we even got paid for a premium pour of rebel 10 didn't compare uh, that that no. straight from the barrel of Lux Row was delicious. Oh, the other one I was thinking of is the one that you've been after for months that you finally got the Blood Oath. That's also from Lux Row. That was yes. the other one I couldn't think of. We did not but... get to try that. They have it. They had it on the <laughs> on the shelf, staring in our face. But uh, we get to enjoy that and review that here shortly. Thanks to you, Brandon, for for uh, yeah fetching that. And we'll get me. to that down the road. We got a lot to review and talk about here, so don't be surprised if we're starting to pump out. A few more bourbon tastings here within the next couple of weeks because we've got a bunch of samples. Just got another one from Still Austin. We've got Lone Elm, uh, which we'll be reviewing here shortly. And uh, I just bought another bottle that's on the way. My mom just got it in the mail today. Ben Holiday Red Wheat. So Wheat? Uh, wheat. Yes, a wheat bottle and bond. So we've got a lot to talk about bourbon-wise. Overall, your trip, though, you enjoyed it? Good stuff? I did. It was different that because everything closes at 5. With the exception of one place called Whiskey Thief Distilling Co. Mm. It used to be called Three Boys. Um, I'll continue. Okay, go ahead. I'll continue. It's basically more of a place to go drink, and then you fill your own bottle if you like it. They just have five barrels on the floor, and you go up and say, I want it this one. And they thief it right there for you, and you drink it. It's more like a hangout social place. Yeah, yeah. Um, Where's that, that in? That is um, Lexington. Okay. Um, more towards Buffalo Trace uh, distillery. Yeah. I'll have to check it out next time I'm down there. Uh, you went to Scout and Scholar, too, for lunch? Uh, we did. We stumbled upon it. We went on to uh, Scout and Scholar because we were heading into downtown Bardstown to go eat at the same place that we ate dinner for. And I was like, let's go somewhere else. I don't feel like pizza again. We ate it at Primo's yeah. uh, the night before, and my wife loved their salad. So she was like, I really want that salad again. I'm like, I really don't want pizza again. So we stumbled <laughs> into Scout and Scholar, and uh, it was pretty tasty. Good, good, good. I had a, I had a beer there. Uh, I don't, you know, not a big draft beer guy, but I'll enjoy one. But food was good, Smash Burger. Um, nice. And then you told me they did a, 
uh, a blend of what yeah. was it now that was really good? So when I went to Bardstown Bourbon Company for the 1792 pick a couple months ago, we stopped at Bourbon uh, Bardstown Bourbon Company, and that was right after the Scout and Scholar Bardstown collaboration whiskey came through, and it was incredible it was 200 bucks so i didn't buy a bottle but i got to try a sample of it and it was really good so if anybody's got some deep pockets and you're in bardstown i think it was a distillery only release so they may not even have any more but it was really good or if anybody's got a sample of it and would like to share with michael and i no just kidding uh but <laughs> just kidding but uh, for awesome. real but for real uh but for real we're gonna have to do that trip together michael at some point where we go to a distillery outside of nashville because we've done nashville Bur uh, nashville barrel company we'll have to do the bourbon trail at some point here soon and we'll talk details on that now it's the baseball portion of our bourbon and baseball podcast uh we always kind of transition that with trivia so this week's trivia question uh, the seattle mariners are hot right now michael um they've played very good baseball since the start of july but really since the all-star break they've really turned it on when was the last time the Mariners won their division, which is the AL West, and what year was it, and who was the manager? Let's go with 2001, Lou Piniella. And that is 100% correct. Oh. Did you just look that up? No, I was just... <laughs> Not I just, right now, oh, but have you seen that That's the only history I know. That's the only history I know, because <laughs> that was Ichiro's year. Mm -hmm. and that was I the really, last time they won. I really didn't know Lou Piniella for sure, but I knew he was the manager at some point. They won a record 116 games that year, I believe, and then they got bounced in the first round of the playoffs, I think. I believe. I, they I could didn't, be wrong on that. They didn't make it to the World Series. We know that. No, they did not because that was the uh, Diamondbacks World Series, was it not? 2001, yeah. Luis Gonzalez, yeah. Matt, Matt yeah. Williams. Um, Tony yeah, so Womack. They, uh, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, Randy Johnson on that team? uh and kurt and kurt Schilling, maybe yeah uh, i don't probably yeah i think so um yeah they uh they won that division by a long shot 116 games um best record in baseball uh i'm trying to scroll through to see how they who, who they i thought they got bounced in the first round of the playoffs um that sounds that's about the time the yankees were really good and winning year in and year out so it's possible that the yankees bounced them right away uh, they lost to the Indians. No, they beat the Indians, and they lost the A uh, Yankees in the ALCS four games to one. Yikes. There we go. Uh, that, yeah, because that was 2001, so the Yankees went to the World Series. That was walk-off by Luis Gonzalez for the Diamondbacks. So that is the trivia question as we jump into our AL West standings. A look at those standings as of this recording. I thought this game would be over by now, but it isn't. So the Astros are still playing the Red Sox. They're tied 4-4 as of this recording, which is 10-15 here on Wednesday evening. That AL West, man. It is a log jam. If the Astros win tonight, they will be tied at the top of the division with the Texas Rangers, who are idle on Wednesday. They're 72 and 54. Right now, the Astros are 72 and 55, and the Seattle Mariners are 71 and 56, a game and a half back. So, three teams within a game and a half. The Seattle Mariners probably playing the best out of any of those teams, but there's still six weeks to go. But how fun has this division become in the last couple of weeks? And this, I think the saddest part, though, is the Angels are not part of it. Right. They 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 threw everything from calling up their 2023 draft pick up this year, six weeks after he was drafted, and they are now at this moment sitting 11 and a half games back of the division. Yeah, 
And they're playing in a doubleheader right now versus the Reds. They lost game one, nine to four, and they're currently up one nothing in the bottom of the second. Shohei did exit with arm fatigue in the first game of the doubleheader after hitting a home run and pitching, I think, one and two thirds of an inning versus yep. the Reds. But yeah, the talk of the division right now, though, is the Seattle Mariners, who had a great stretch, really a great two months so far. The Rangers are getting good pitching outside of Max Scherzer's pitching the other day where he got shelled. He was pulled after three innings and two-thirds against the Diamondbacks on Monday, I think. He yep. threw 99 pitches in less than four innings. Goodness gracious. But then Jordan Montgomery came out and shoved last night, and they still lost. But uh, the yeah, Rangers... The Rangers starting pitching actually have the, the lowest ERA since August 1st, 2.65. But their bullpen is just not – or even even their bullpen is still okay. It's their offense that mm -hmm. is struggling. They've lost six in a row now. So that's kind of why that division came back. They came back to the division. It doesn't help them that the Mariners have won eight out of their last ten. Uh, so they gained five games in the last ten games. They lost today versus the White Sox. Other than that, they've been blowing teams out. They swept the Astros over the past weekend, which was huge, huge. because it was in Houston. And the Mariners not only did that, they are seven or they're eight and two this year versus the Astros, but they are six and one in Houston. And that used to be their bugaboo, right? Like look at the playoffs last year. They lost the games in Houston um, in that first round of the playoffs when right. they could have won very easily every single one of them. Do you think the Mariners have a shot at the division or is it too little too late? Do you think that they're, so to say, they're blowing their wad a little too early? Um, it could be a little bit too early. I think they do have what it's, they're one and a half games back of that division. Right. Um, I do think the Rangers offense, if it can re-click, will start running with it. Um, but right now the Mariners offense since August 1st is third in RBIs, third in stolen bases, third in runs, third in average, third in slugging, and fourth in home runs since August 1st. Um, yeah, I mean, Julio, and that helps that Julio Rodriguez just set history. Um, what did he? What did he do? And how many? Seventeen hits in four games, Unreal. and he had four hits in four in a row, which I think that broke a record from 1925. And the 17 hits was like the most in a four-game stretch since 1901. Uh, ridiculous. He was 17 for 22. He won AL Player of the Week last week. Uh, rightfully so. Um, he had the second highest OPS though in the league. <laughs> Despite all of that, he had the only set, the second highest OPS because Eddie Rosario, who won it in the NL, uh, had the higher OPS because he had a heck of a week. But yeah, J Rod's playing the way that everybody expected him to after the rookie campaign he had last year, where he was getting MVP votes. He played like an MVP last week. He's really start, and they sat him in Game Two of that White Sox series yesterday on Tuesday. He sat. No, he sat on Monday. He played yesterday. Did you see what happened in the White Sox game on Monday? No. Uh, Seattle sat Julio. They won 14-1, to and Luis, Luis Castillo threw 47 straight fastballs. <laughs> and the White Sox still couldn't get any more than one run off of him. He just said, hey, you're not going to hit this. I'm going to throw the same pitch Here 47 straight times. Hit it, right. And they didn't hit it. But that Mariners team, as you mentioned it, they're one of the they're the second, I think, right now in the major leagues in ERA um, overall. I think the Blue Jays still have them by a little bit. But 
their pitching staff, I think if it came to the playoffs, that would be the starting staff that would scare me the most to go against. Who's the top three there? You're probably going Castillo, Gilbert, Kirby. Or you can flip-flop the other two. You may go Castillo, Kirby, Gilbert, depending on what kind of series it is, who's got the better home road stats, right? I mean, if you're, they're probably going to be on the road. Teams. But Those if they're in the rotations, yeah, right. So, and then if you if one of those guys gets hurt for some reason, you're throwing Wu out there, Bryson Miller or Hancock, right? Uh, Emerson, Emerson, that's right. They called up Emerson yeah. while Wu went down for a little bit. And Wu came back and pitched, I think, four innings on Tuesday versus the the White Sox. Now, in that division, I think it's going to be the Astros, honestly. They have the best strength of schedule. They have the third weakest schedule. or Sorry. They have the third easiest schedule. So I guess it would be the third weakest. Yeah, the right. third easiest schedule from here on out. Here are the teams that they have to play the rest of the season. The Dodgers for three. Nope, I read the wrong line. The Orioles for three, the Rangers for three, the Mariners for three, the Red Sox for five, and they're in the middle of one of those games, the Diamondbacks for three. Those are the only teams they play the rest of the season with a winning record. Every other team, the A's for three, the Royals for six, the Tigers for three, the Yankees for three, and the Padres for three, where the Mariners have to play the Reds, the Astros, they have seven against the Rangers. So that's really where this is all going to be won, I think, is within that division play. But they also have four against the Tampa Bay Rays and three against the Dodgers. But they also have six games versus Oakland. They have three games versus KC, three games versus the Mets, and then three games versus the Angels. So Dude, look the, at the, the, the Rangers and Mariners, this, this division or a final wild card spot could come down to the last game of the year. Yeah, the they play the final the, game, right? The final they have a fi- yeah, final game is a four game series in Seattle, Texas versus Seattle, and then the weekend before that they play in Texas. Yeah, so, so that final ten games are going to be what decides all of this division wild card. Um, do you think it's going to be the Texas Rangers, or are you going somewhere else? No, after I think I think the Mariners and Rangers could beat up on each other, and the Astros are just going to. Glide right in, like you're saying yeah. here. Easy schedule, and I, that this is this is a big factor here that they play each other seven times in the, final the ten last games. in the final ten games. That's huge. Yeah, it could be really fun. It's going to be a fun week. That's the final week of baseball. The final week of September, going into October. Uh, that AL West, I think, right now, that's the most intriguing division. The other one would probably be the NL Central for me because the AL East is not as jam-packed. The the NL East is gone. And the NL West all of a sudden became uh, a runaway for the Dodgers. They're 11 and a half games up on the Arizona Diamondbacks, who've won eight out of the last 10. The Diamondbacks are starting to get hot again, winning four in a row. They're finally back into the playoffs if they started today. But um, speaking of that, the wild card, NL wild card, five teams technically in the wild card. In the playoffs right now, because there's a three-team tie for the final wild card spot. That won't be the case as this airs in the morning, because the Reds are either going to win or lose, and depending on whether they win or lose, they'll either be tied for the Cubs for the second overall wild card spot, or they will be out of the wild card spot. But Arizona, Cincinnati, and San Francisco all have the exact same record 
And then the Miami Marlins still in the hunt at one and a half games out. And he really can't even rule the Padres out yet. Five and a half games back. They're 61 and 67. Uh, but they have a plus 62 run differential. So I wouldn't be surprised even if the what, – what if the Padres went on a nine-game run where they won nine in a row and somehow or some way the, the Reds or the Giants all of a sudden lost five out of ten? Think about the, it. Yeah, the Padres play the Cardinals coming up. Cardinals and then the Padres. I'm sorry, the Brewers. Then the Giants and the Philly. They have a tough schedule. Yeah, they oh, they certainly schedule. do. Yeah. Uh, of the remaining schedules, um, the team with the hardest is the Colorado Rockies. The team with the second hardest is actually the Boston Red Sox, which would make me think that they're not likely to make the playoffs. And then the Miami Marlins are the hardest schedule remaining of any of those NL wildcard contenders. But uh, of the wildcard contenders in the NL, the team with the easiest go is the Cincinnati Reds or the Milwaukee Brewers. And then the Chicago Cubs. So the Brewers have the 23rd hardest, so that would make it the 8th easiest schedule. The Reds have the 10th easiest schedule, and the Cubs have the 14th easiest schedule. Um, And that really, I think, is going to be determining the division, too. And of the Cubs' remaining schedule, it's the Braves, the Brewers for 6, the Giants, the Diamondbacks for 7, and that could be where the wild card is won or lost, and then 4 versus the Reds on the road in Cincinnati on Labor Day weekend. And then the, the only remaining games of teams below 500, the Cubs have seven versus the Pirates and six versus the Rockies. So um, they do Thank have you. a under 500 against um, strength of schedule. So still playing more teams uh, below 500, at least record-wise. But uh, that NL wild card is going to be tight because the Phillies, the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Giants, and the uh, – the Miami Marlins all have a pretty difficult schedule remaining. And those are four out of the six teams basically vying for that final spot. All right. Uh, Cubs can, can just capitalize. San Diego and... does have the fifth easiest schedule, though, remaining. They play the A's, the Rockies, the White Sox, and the Cardinals from here on out through the end of the year. So they may be able to squeak through, and who knows. But, yeah, go ahead. You were talking about the Cubs and the, the Reds? Yeah, no, the Cubs, if the Cubs could just win win their series and not lose silly games like they lost to the Tigers last night, Drew Smiley left in there way too long mm-hmm. and gave given up seven runs. But here's the thing. As a Cubs fan, we freak out, right? We freak out on a day-to-day basis. But they're winning two out of every three games. And if you do that in the long run, that's a 66% winning percentage, and that'll get you into the playoffs. So all you have to do, as you mentioned, you all you have to do is win series. You don't have right. to win every game. Um, and I do think that that's where sometimes our fandom gets in the way, right? Like, what the hell? I went to the Cubs game today. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, we had a presence in Detroit. It's been a long day. Uh, Brandon drove to Detroit this morning, went to the Cubs game, watched the Detroit Tigers and the Cubs play full nine innings after a rain delay because of some gnarly storms, and then drove back for the podcast to bring you this exclusive content uh, about bourbon and baseball. But, uh, yeah, the Cubs Baby. got the series. So Cubs got the series win versus the Tigers, um, a nice victory. Uh, almost lost it on a, the Grand Slam when we had that video, uh, in-person video. I took, I had a feeling Kerry Carpenter was going to do something, so I got his Grand Slam on video, and it's yeah, on a YouTube. Stud. He is. He's uh, his walk-up music is Christian music. Which what's the song? 
I don't know. I have no idea, oh. but it was talking about like God and stuff. So like, someone was, just posted. He, like he has a, a LinkedIn profile. He does. Did you see that? He has a LinkedIn <laughs> profile. It says I currently something about during 2020. I worked part time at Dick's Sporting Goods during the pandemic <laughs> shortened season. That's incredible. Uh, but Kerry Carpenter, good guy. Uh, good player, too. Um, and we can talk more about that later on in the podcast or uh, on an Instagram Live or something. But I enjoyed my trip to Comerica Park. Beautiful ballpark. You've been you can expect. I bet this is the second time, but the last time was in 2009. And to be honest, I don't remember a damn thing about it. So I was happy that I got to go and check it out again. It really refreshed my memory. But really, like, it's a lot nicer of a ballpark than I remember it being. I'm sure they've made some upgrades in the last 15 years, so uh, that's one thing. But um, I, w- I wanted to see Miggy one more time. Didn't get a chance to do that but because uh, he didn't play. But beautiful ballpark, Comerica Park. If you ever get a chance to check it out, tickets are cheap. Parking was a little bit chaotic, but uh, we'll have more on that on our YouTube page and also on our Instagram. We'll have a reel. Uh, I'll have probably a what you need to check out if you're ever at Comerica Ballpark or Comerica Park uh, out there in Detroit. So the NL NL wild card heating up. So is the AL wild card. That AL wild card race. Now I don't think that there's as many teams, but I think that there are some intriguing storylines here. You really have five teams fighting for three spots. We already talked about two of them: the Astros and the Mariners. The Rays have already sudden turned it on yes. after what we thought was going. They're only two games back of the. Orioles coming into play today, uh, and the Orioles won. As I look at it, they won seven to nothing over the Blue Jays, and it looks like are they seven? still playing? Did they it was three to nothing in the eighth? Which game are you talking about? Uh, the Rockies and the Tampa Bay. They were yeah. Tampa extras. Bay walks it off in the tenth. Oh, they walked it off. It okay, so been Tampa Bay did win. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. Terrible call, as you would like to say. Uh, but Tampa Bay, 77-51 after tonight's play. They are four and a half games up on the Astros. So right now, there's still a lot of baseball to play, but they've got a comfortable lead. The Orioles, um, only two games up, as I mentioned, on Tampa. But the two teams on the outside looking in, the Blue Jays and the Red Sox. The Blue Jays one game back of the Seattle Mariners. The Red Sox four and a half back of the Mariners for the final spot. And then down the road, the Angels and the Yankees, who are their ships are sailed. Um, But out of those five teams, Tampa, Houston, Seattle, Toronto, and Boston, which of the three are making it? I want to say Houston, Seattle, and Toronto. I I, – still feel like Tampa Bay they're pl- they're playing well but I don't know that they have the pitching to push through that these other teams Houston Seattle has great rotation Verlander, Framber, Christian Javier Toronto's got Kevin Gosman um you see that that's a bottle kill by the way hello. It's weeded Wednesday so we're going Bardstown weeded origin, the origin series. series this one's dead yeah, I've been saying, dude, this is, I've been milking this one for a while. Uh, I have not had a pour out of this in weeks because it's just been sitting on that last pour. Um, I think I agree with you there. I think Tampa Bay probably is the one out of the five that falls out. Right now, after looking at the strength of schedule through the rest of the way, I don't think Boston's got a shot. They've got the second hardest remaining schedule um, in all of baseball. Their strength of schedule, they're 
the teams they've got to play, seven versus Baltimore, three versus the Dodgers, five versus Tampa, three versus Texas, five versus Houston, three versus Toronto, and their cupcake games are three versus KC, three versus the White Sox, and four versus the Yankees, and I believe that is in Fenway, um, and they are just owning the Yankees this year, but uh, after sweeping them this year, this past weekend, but... You never yeah. know when Judge could decide to just win it. Like tonight, he he decided to do it all by himself. He had three home runs tonight. Yeah, and let's so, just jump right into the Yankees. Coming into tonight, they had lost nine in a row. Nine games in a row. It was the first time in our lifetime, Michael. We'd never seen that before because it hasn't happened since 1982. Insane. I can't think of a year besides maybe... In like what seventeen eighteen when they retooled? Otherwise, it's been it was sixteen because that was the year they traded Chapman, and they still I think finished above five hundred. Yeah, so the Yankees in our lifetime have always been the team that buys their buys the next year, next year, next year. They never have to rebuild. As the Pirates live and die by yeah. rebuild. So nine game losing streak. They did win tonight, so Yankees fans rejoice. Uh, Aaron Judge hit Cheers. three bombs, right? <laughs> Cheers to Yankees fans. Uh, they probably aren't listening by this far into the podcast because they're probably like, yeah, we don't want to <laughs> deal with it. Yankees fans are like, I don't want to deal with baseball anymore I know what's this coming. year. Um, the Red Sox swept them this past week. They lost a game the other day to the uh, to the Nationals, who have been one of the better teams, and we'll get to them here in a second. But the Yankees have struggled. Do you think Aaron Boone gets fired at the end of the season? I don't think it's he really is Aaron Boone's fault. Um, they really didn't do anything this off season besides signing Arson Judge away from the Giants. I was just about to say Arson Judge. You got it to me before. You got it to me. You got to it before me. Jeez, have another drink, Brandon. I mean, third base was a hole. They shortstop was IKF. Did you let me had a bat down your last shortstop year was Volpe, and they were expecting a lot more from Volpe than they actually right. did. He's starting to heat up a little bit, but still not anywhere where they were expecting rookie of the year. I mean, I guess they did go sign Carlos Rodon. Big disappointment, I'd say, this year. Even though he's back and he's pitching decently well. Hmm. I think right he pitched now. today, didn't he? He pitched Tuesday. Tuesday? Um, okay. Yeah, he, he did He did good. I wouldn't say he did amazing or anything, but coming back from injury. Um, Rizzo, after a month and a half of MVP type numbers got hurt and he has been a shell of himself, but that was one of the other moves that they made, but there wasn't depth, but still, I mean, there's going to be a fall guy and is it going to be Cashman or is it going to be Boone? One of those two is probably gone. Well, you know, Cashman's not going nowhere. <laughs> right. So, so then I would guess it'd be Boone. Right. But that would, that would then transition next year. Would that make next year be a go for it again year or be a transition? I think I, it's I, always, Always in New York with the Yankees, it's always a go for it year. I think, right? I don't know if they have the deepest farm system. They got Jason, Jason Dominguez coming. He just got promoted. Um, no, he didn't. Did he? Not to the big leagues, but I think oh, they okay. promoted him up a level because uh, he was in Double A. I think wasn't he? I think so. I don't think he. So was I think that, close But to they also promoted the two of their top prospects yesterday. Um, Pereza. Oh, Oswaldo, shortstop? Yeah, and then the outfielder Pereira, I think. Hmm, okay. They were both PEs names, so uh, I think it was their third. <laughs> third oh, yeah. PED, no. Uh, they promoted two of their top prospects up 
to ride out the season. Uh, I think they're kind of doing a what do we have here kind of thing. But yeah, I I don't Everson know. Everson Pierre, yeah. Who was who, it? Who what kind of ma- Ever Everson Pierre? Yeah. So I don't know the whole farm system of every team, but I did read that they Peraza is their third best prospect from what I was reading. And then I don't know who Emerson is. So you, Emerson, you probably... Emerson's third. I don't see where I don't see Oswaldo on here. I wonder if he graduated oh, no. already. Because he's not even on the list. Weird. Yeah, very weird. Well, so they both have the same damn last name, basically. So that's why I mixed it up. <laughs> um sticking in the AL on a team that's just completely falling apart. The big news out of Chicago yesterday. The Chicago White Sox fire Kenny Kenny Williams. And Williams. Yep. And um Rick Hahn. So they had both gotten the axe. But the rumor is that Jerry Reinsdorf already has the replacement. And it's blowing my mind. It's stupid. I can't um, believe but, it. Did you see who it was gonna be? T L R. Oh no. So Tony LaRusa is back in a advisor role with Jerry Reinsdorf, but supposedly it's going to be Chris Getz, who has been like the director of the farm system, former second baseman who played with the White Sox and also with the Royals. But also on top of Getz coming over, it's expected that um, the guy who built the uh, the Royals, um, Dalton, I think. Um, his name escapes me right now. But he was Don't the GM. Show. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Varsho. Um the uh, Kansas City Royals general manager back in 2015 uh, who built that team, he's going to come over and help Chris Getz, but I don't know what's going on. And also there's rumors that Jerry Reinsdorf might might be selling the team. Have you seen anything about all of that? I saw that, yeah, he was considering selling it, but also considering relocating it. Right, and I think that that's partially – um, Dayton Moore is the name I was looking for. Uh, Dayton Moore is the guy who was the former GM for the Royals, but that would mean that the coach for the White Sox came from the Royals, gets, and the assistant GM, if if that's what Dayton Moore would be, all came from the Royals organization. And since 2001, the Royals have the worst record in baseball. So I don't think that that's. Cr- quite how you want to build your front office but um, you want to think about maybe blowing it up and getting somebody from the outside rather than keeping in-house what's not working but then you go and grab guys who aren't successful i totally agree like that's the thing about jerry reinstorf is the the knock is he's the the thing about working for jerry is that he's loyal i mean kenny williams has been there forever rick has been there forever but he's loyal to a fault, and that's where you get in trouble because you don't get rid of your guys. He did it with the Bulls, and now he's doing it with the White Sox. He finally got rid of his guys, but now he's promoting from within. If that's true, Bob Nightingale, Bob Nightingale is the one who is reporting that it's going to be Chris Getz and Dayton Moore coming up uh, to take that role. I don't know. Um, as far as the moving thing, I think that that's a ploy. So their lease with the ballpark the uh, guaranteed rate, ends in six Mm -hmm. years and now you may think six years is a long time but when it comes to baseball terms it's a short period because if they're going to move they're going to need a new stadium and it doesn't a a new stadium doesn't get built right so you've got to start planning this three four five years down the road 
So they're either going to have to build a new stadium where they're at or near where they're at, revamp the stadium. I don't think they're going to do that. Move into the suburbs or move out of state. And Nashville was one of the names that has been jumping out there. I don't think Nashville will be the city that they'd go to because I think Nashville wants to start their own franchise as an expansion franchise rather than a team that moves. But who knows? You never know. Money talks, right? Uh, and I'm sure Nashville would take a team in any way. But there's right. Austin. I think there's Portland. Charlotte. 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 Charlotte would be a good place. You know why? Because Charlotte Knights are where the White Sox AAA affiliate is already. And they've got a beautiful ballpark down there that is the AAA fi- uh, facilities. I don't think that they would play there. But uh, Charlotte would make sense because you probably have some of the fan base in Charlotte already because of the right. AAA team no, that's a good being point. there. Um, I would say Charlotte would probably be a city to look out for, but I think Jerry's going to probably sell the team within the next several years. So that could just be another ploy as well. He better sell the team before he dies. Dude's he's 89 80, years old. I think he's 87. Is 87. what I was hearing today. Yeah, 87. Um, so I think but, he but may But that's be... an interesting point about the White Sox going to Charlotte where their AAA is. Because you know who Milwaukee's AAA team is? The, the Nashville Sounds. Sound. Yes, and they're talking about moving too because of their building issues as well. I just think it's because they don't want the Wrigley fans coming all the way up to make Wrigley North. Wrigley North. <laughs> they're tired of I'm, selling tickets to the Cubs. Oh uh, yeah, I'm just give, jiving and uh, ribbing some of those Milwaukee Brewers fans, but you're welcome for filling your ballpark. Uh, but yeah, so the White Sox. I don't think that they'll leave, but if they do, I don't think it's Nashville. To me, I would say Charlotte. That would be where I would go. If I was going to move the team, but I don't see Jerry moving the team. I would think that it would be a new ownership, but they're going to be a new stadium there in the next six years. In Charlotte? No. Either way, way, the White Sox. Oh, okay. So, and if they moved, I think that they would be the Charlotte White Sox, but if they moved to Nashville, I don't think that they would be the Nashville White Sox. I think that they'd be something different. I would think Nashville would want to rebrand it their own way. Now the White Sox could go to Soldier Field since the Bears are talk, you know, real, real talking of moving out of there. They could revamp Soldier Field and keep that kind of historic field. Yeah, uh, I don't know if they'd be able to make it into a baseball field. Um, <laughs> there'd be way too many seats there for White Sox fans to go to. It's, <laughs> it's the smallest football field in the in the league, but it would be, I think, one of the biggest baseball stadiums in the league with all those seats. But moving on from there, another team in the White Sox division, a a team that uh, is one of the worst in the league. I do want to highlight, though, I think he has not gotten enough talk this year. Bobby Witt Jr. is doing amazing things. I think he's just toiling in Kansas City, and he's not getting the proper due that he's deserved. But he just hit his 25th home run. He's got 35 stolen bases. I think it's the fifth time ever that a shortstop has hit those marks ever. Not talking second-year shortstop. We're talking all-time shortstops. 25 home runs, 35 stolen bases. He terrorized the Cubs this past weekend. Uh, and he's just he terrorized, I think, the Seattle Mariners last week as well. And the Mariners still were able to take three out of four. But since the start of August, his statistics are wildly great. Right. Yeah, I'm as just googling Bobby Witt. He's on historic pace for a 30-30 season. Uncharted mm-hmm. Royals territory is what they're calling it. Yeah, it's never been done in Royals history. So he'll be the first 30-30 player if that happens. I think it starts. Bobby Witt didn't really start the year too strong. I feel like they talked about him being like a a, a top 
player overall in the league. I don't feel like he started the year that way, uh, and he's really coming on strong, just kind of like Julio J-Rod did. He mm-hmm. didn't start the year strong, well, the, and now all of a sudden. Well, this is both their second year, right? Like your uh, sophomore slump kind of deal? Because Bobby Witt yep. Jr. was expected to be one of the front runners for AL Rookie of the Year last year, and Julio kind of stole that from him. But uh, he went hitless you today. He, you think or, he gets there 35 games remaining, five homers shy. Oh, he'll get the there. first Royal ever. The way he's hitting this month, since the start of this month, I think he's got six home runs, seven home runs. Um, he's been insane in the month of August. He's had one, he's had three total games in the month of August where he didn't record a hit. That's it. Out of the 21, it looks like that they've played. So since the start of August, this dude has been raking. And I don't, this doesn't include the statistics from today, but Bobby Witt Jr., on the month. 353, 396, 671, seven home runs, 17 RBIs, eight stolen bases, uh, 17 runs, 20 RBIs. Um, he's got 30 hits and 90 plate appearances, six doubles and seven home runs. But that's after an 0 for 5 yesterday versus Oakland. Um, so if you take that out of the equation, that average jumps almost all the way up to 400. So one bad game dropped his average a little bit, but still a nasty, amazing month for Bollywood Jr. So. Can I mean, you guess the other four shortstops that had 25 homer seasons and 35 stolen bases? Guessing A Rod in his younger days. Uh, are any are they in our lifetime? They're uh, yes, they're all in our lifetime. Jimmy Rollins would be another guess. Yep. Uh, Jeter never did the stolen base thing. I don't believe. JJ uh, Hardy, one of them. No, but that's a good guess. JJ Hardy was was. A very strong power hitter. I don't know. He probably didn't have the stolen bases. Uh, that Brewers team could rake with Ricky Weeks, Prince Fielder, J.J. Hardy, Corey Hart, uh, yes. and then Ryan Braun. Richie Sexton at some point, I think, on that team as well. Ben he Sheets. Hit bombs. Ben, ben Sheets. Um, then Giovanni Gallardo uh, down the road. We're just naming random baseball players at this point and part of the Bourbon and Baseball podcast. So I got so two the other out of two. The... the other two was Hanley Ramirez. Ah, uh, yep. And Barry Larkin. Barry Larkin, okay. Yeah, he's kind of our era. Yeah, he's in Cincinnati. I should have guessed it. Uh, But, yeah, those are four good players, too. Uh, Hanley was the best prospect coming up, just like Bobby Witt. And then the other three are Hall of Famers, aren't they not? Right? Jimmy Rollins? Uh, No, he's not yet. He'll probably be borderline, I think. Uh, Because he won an MVP or two, didn't he? He won MVP at least one year, yeah. yeah. 2008? 2009 it might have been that year that he did that 25 33. probably but so bobby witt doing some things speaking of teams that you wouldn't think are great but are playing much better this washington nationals coming into today they were 22 and 14 since the all-star break which was the sixth best record in all of baseball third best in all the national league uh they lost today to the yankees but they are close to getting out of last place in that NL East. Had they won today, they would have leapfrogged the Mets, and I was so hoping they would because then I could do something on Twitter that would be like, what do the Cardinals, the Mets, the Yankees, the Rockies, as well as the A's and the Royals all have in common? They're all last place teams. But Mets are still only uh, a game ahead of the Washington Nationals. But the Nationals playing much better, 22-14. and 14. Since the break, as I mentioned, now 22-15. and 15. 
Uh, we got to see them in person play the Cubs a couple weeks ago, but they've they've been a handful for teams. They roughed up the Red Sox last week, I think. They they've been taking see, teams from good taking games from good teams recently too. It's not yeah, the it's, the low of the totem pole. Yeah, like I like I said in our power rankings there. Uh, C.J. Abrams is looking like the guy that they that the pa- the Padres were hoping he would be when he was in their system. Mm-hmm. Um, look, he's he's really breaking out. Uh, two days ago, he hit his 13th home run. He's he's becoming an asset and an everyday player that can be relied on for the Nationals for their future. This is just exactly what the Cubs did last year. They mm-hmm. were off late late season, August September, with winning records. Flowing right into the next year, the Nationals could look to start competing next year already. Yeah, get a couple more veterans on that team, not named Patrick Corbin or Trevor Williams, but uh, that's who they played this past weekend was the Phillies. I want to talk about that real quick. Did you see the bat, Bryson Stott's bat this weekend for the Phillies? Uh, you talking on about Sunday? the Little League bat? The Little League bat, the pencil yeah. bat? That's hilarious. Cheers, Bryson Stott. Cheers to you. Uh, but yeah, that Nationals team's pesky, uh, is what I'd like to call them. They're a pesky little little bunch. They've got some good players. Ildemaro Vargas just won the uh, Barrels and Barrels Thieve of the Week. Uh, well, he got second. Never mind. Second, yes. Second. Uh, TJ Friedel was number one. But that that's sick. another push to go check it out on our YouTube page. Now, Vargas isn't having his best season, but he did make that great play. Uh, was he on the? No, he's been with Washington. Who am I thinking with? Uh, You're thinking another... Miguel Vargas. Yeah, and he's on the Dodgers, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All the Vargases. Okay, uh, the 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 uh, Nationals have bats coming. They just took top prospect in the draft, Dylan Cruz. They got James Wood and C.J. Abrams from that's why the Vargas Padres. Reminds me, he played for the Cubs last year. Duh, El Demaro. Sorry. So, yeah. and then Robert Hassel coming, Elijah Green. They've got bats coming, man. Uh, I don't know about the built to buy their pitching, probably because Cade Cavalli is just not mm. looking like what he was supposed to be this year. Um, but Nationals are coming, man. I, I, yeah. I, I want, I, I, I would bet money that the Nationals will compete again before the Mets, probably just because of what the Mets just did in this past deadline and they said they're, they're not competing maybe yeah. yeah um it'll be interesting next year i the marlins are good in that division the phillies still are stacked that that division is going to be fun to watch over the next couple of years for sure you just were mentioning some call-ups a couple more call-ups Marte just came up with the reds everson Pereira, and uh the, i had it written down i should have known it earlier i'm gonna look like an idiot now <laughs> Everson Pereira and infielder Oswaldo Barraza came up. Had it written down, the Angels called up their their number 13 overall pick. Is that what it was earlier this year? Yeah, or was it first 13th round, round pick this year. First round pick, yeah. First round pick. And then the Cardinals just called up uh, their rookie shortstop. Mason Wynn. Mason Wynn. Uh, don't tell Pete Alonzo, though. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So you know the video of Joey Votto or – Chucking the ball into the stands, or Trevor yeah. Bauer throwing over center field. Mm-hmm. The caption—I saw those videos, and the caption was "Beat Alonzo when someone gets a milestone hit." <laughs> <laughs> That's insane! Uh, yeah, wow. But uh, congrats yeah. to to win for getting the hit, but also what the hell is Pete Alonzo doing? I really like he had to have no. 
what position player throws the in the middle of an inning throws the ball into the stands like that? Yeah, I. It's pretty nuts. It you normally you throw it on the ground, right? You would think he did it on purpose, but I don't think Pete's that bad of a guy. Maybe he is. I don't. Know. I was thinking about this earlier. Is it? Are there more prospect call ups earlier this year than normal? Like I feel like this wave of prospect call ups normally would be a couple weeks from now, right in September. We're getting a ton of them, I feel like, in the last couple of weeks. It seems like they're calling up their top prospect. They're calling up their top prospect. Is that is it just me, or does it seem like there's a lot more now? Like Maybe the new rule is working a little bit because the Cardinals are calling up guys, and they're not mm-hmm. in it. Right. So I wonder if this is a, the effect of 2020, where we didn't have a lot of that, and this is guys finally catching up, and there was a lot of guys on the brinks, maybe? Could be, or because you can't call a bunch of them up in September. So if they came up in September, because you can only add two guys in September, and one of them has to be at least a uh, a position player. You can't call up two pitchers. You can only call oh, really? up one pitcher. Is that a rule? No. Is that the rule? Yeah. Oh, I yep. know that. Of the two, one of them has to be at least a position player, if not both of them. Because you can't bring up two pitchers because it would be a competitive disadvantage um, or advantage. But, yeah. Well, because I, I think they capped the number of arms in the bullpen now. Remember, you could a lot of teams right. would carry a fourteen-man bullpen yearly, but I think you can only have thirteen now. So it has to be thirteen and thirteen. I think it has to be fourteen and fourteen. I mean, you can go less than that, but most people don't nowadays with the way arms get hurt and how people use their bullpen nowadays. But to me, it just seems like there's a lot of players getting called up earlier than usual. Could be me. Yeah. It could be help with that rule that, you know, the, the service time, there's the advantage of call, of giving guys the opening day spot. Yeah. Um, you just love, you love, I love to see the, the young kids get the, get the call. Mm-hmm. So do I. I'm still, uh, I'm still waiting for the uh, Orioles to call up Jackson Holiday, of course. See, you're now an Oriole fan because I'm waiting for Pete Crow Armstrong to get the call up. And I do think what Cubs are going to pull up a, a rookie within the week. I think he's going to be in the bullpen, though. My guess is that Michael Rucker goes back down to the minors and Jordan Wicks is the call-up for that. I don't think he'll be starting. I think he'll be out of the bullpen because the Cubs don't have a lefty in the bullpen. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Because Kay's not with the team anymore, I don't believe. And their lefty is Mark Leiter Jr. because of his reverse splits. But even then, he's still a righty. Um, and he'd like to have another arm around Brandon Hughes for the Cubs is coming back here shortly. He just had his second rehab stint in the minors he's on the il with some knee issues uh, i know he had surgery on his knee in the offseason he's been dealing with injuries all year but uh i'd like to see the cubs call up a couple i don't think it's going to be cade horton but i, I was be... just going to bring him up i saw a push to cade horton's doing well in double a why not call him up maybe to be an he's not on the 40 man though he's not and no, neither is jordan I... wicks is he not? I thought he was. I thought he got put on him before because the offseason. Jordan Wicks is not Rule 5 eligible this year. So if uh, they wanted steady. to hold save a spot, he could still stay off the 40-man. Okay. Well, if he gets called up, he what year was he drafted? Is 21. that 19? 21. Oh, it was 21. Jeez. I knew it wasn't the COVID year, but I okay. So he was the first-round pick, wasn't he, in 21? Yes. Okay. Lefty from Kansas State? Yes. Okay. Uh, well, I would expect... Expect him to be in Pittsburgh this weekend because he was removed from his start 
non-injury related today. Right. Right. So. I, I would say move Smiley to the bullpen and let him piggyback instead. Yeah. The thing is, do you want to put that much pressure on a rookie who hasn't done it in his career? I don't know if you're going to start Smiley on a regular basis. I think Hayden would be a good arm. Even Keegan's starting to pitch better in the minors. I don't know if you saw that in his last four appearances, eight innings and two runs. Um, he's pitching better. Now, Keegan could be the guy in the bullpen that it, it, at the beginning of the year, Keegan Thompson was one of your setup guys. Right. And, and he, was, and, he was that the, the loggy, right? Yeah. Uh, no, lighter was. But the loogie, though. Is loogie, what's, the, what's that acronym? Um, long arm or is it no, lefty lefty okay you're thinking of a long reliever for keegan yes. keegan was like a two inning guy yeah the long reliever uh, a loogie used to be when they could only come left um left uh, loogie that's gonna that's gonna <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> yeah it, you just planted it in my brain and now we're wasting seconds on the podcast about it while we Remember what Loogie stands for. Let's jump into our Barrels and Barrels top 10 power rankings from earlier this week, which are brought to you by 10th Mountain Whiskey and Spirit Company. Don't forget to head on over to thetenthwhiskey.com. Use promo code BNB for 10% off your order. Again, that is 10thwhiskey.com, promo code BNB, our top 10 power rankings, uh, which you can only find on our YouTube page every Monday morning. You can find that there. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Michael, can you give us our top, your top 10 or at least parts of your top 10? Because we've got to get people to go head on over to our YouTube page and go check out the final three. Should we just do the odd no- or the, the even numbers this week? Uh, you do whatever you want and I'll just follow. <laughs> All right. How about we'll, we'll, let's do our, our, uh, our even numbers this week. So at 10, I have the Philadelphia Phillies. At 8, the Houston Astros. Six, the Texas Rangers. Four, the Seattle Mariners. And two, the Baltimore Orioles. Where those yeah. fill-ins are, you have to go find out. And for me, number 10, the Toronto Blue Jays. Number eight, the Philadelphia Phillies. Number six, the Texas Rangers. Number four, the Tampa Bay Rays. And I'm not going to give you number two because I'm going to be pushing you to our YouTube page. So go check that out. 10th Mountain Whiskey bringing you our power rankings every week. Again, go to 10thwhiskey.com. Use promo code BNB. Looked it up. Loogie, lefty one out only guy. Okay. So lefty one out only lefty one out guy that's what it says here but yeah so a loogie came in it was pretty much i just need you to get this left-handed batter out you come in right. and face one batter and then you get pulled and they got rid of that when it came to the uh you have to face a three batter minimum so that is our power rankings go check us out over on our youtube page michael's wearing a new cool hat as well it's not one we sell but it is major league bourbon clubhouse a guy that we've already interviewed so you can go check out that interview uh on our page as well oh and speaking of interviews we just had mash and grain drop yesterday uh as well awesome distillery awesome dudes great content go check them out uh, if you haven't watched that or listened to it yet uh american mash and grain they're doing great things not only for themselves but for the craft whiskey community uh, american craft spirits awesome stuff go check our website out uh, it's mashandgrain.com but also our podcast with them was fantastic but jumping back to a previous interview you've got that hat on what did brandon do this week 
So the uh, this is a major league bourbon clubhouse. So Brandon does. Uh, if you haven't watched our interview or or part of this, Brandon does barrel picks himself and has baseball themed uh, stickers, names, and stickers for his bottles. Uh, so he had gotten a uh, a couple of bottles of a from one of his stores that he deals with that he helps mm-hmm. uh, pick barrels with. Um, had thrown him a bone of a couple of Buffalo Trace store picks, and so Brandon having a limited amount of them. Oh, there's Brand, Brand, Sir Brandon Spinner here with his. Is that Buffalo Durham? Yeah, it's so, the Buffalo Durham. So Brandon lost and only had so many of them, so he did a raffle that the money then went to a charitable organization. Mm-hmm. And it ended up really cool going to the Nolansville Little League team that's in the Little League World Series right now. Oh, that's awesome. So the the baseball bourbon group here, Major League Bourbon, is the title a title sponsor for a Little League team. So Oh, that's cool. cool. Yes. We're uh, sponsoring kids with alcohol. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's, that's what's funny. I'm wondering if there's a banner that says, you know, Major League Bourbon real yeah. big in the outfield. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, brought to you by whiskey. You're ten years old. <laughs> What's that big kid who said bench not warmers. hit dingers? <laughs> or from bench warmers, the guys. Oh, I am, I am 12. twelve. Yeah. Uh, te- What's the? Uh, you know what I'm talking about? The little kid who's just like I'm big, Poppy or I'm big Al, and I think that's what it was. Yeah, <laughs> and I hit dingers. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for joining us on episode 39 of Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast. Thank you for the ride, uh, or at least thank you for joining the ride. <laughs> Man, I'm going to regret ride. not. You're welcome, sir. <laughs> I'm going to regret not editing this episode down. Um, but again, thank you for listening to episode 39 of Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast, where we talk high proof and high heat. We've got more interviews down the pike. I've got to get to editing on a couple of those, but we've got a lot of cool stuff for you over the next couple of weeks. More bourbon and whiskey reviews. At some point, you'll learn about who Michael and I are, but I continue to tease that, and that might one, be one of those things where we continue to tease it for the off entirety. Off-season, baby. Off-season. Yeah, off-season. Off-season content. You can find us on YouTube at Barrels and Barrels Pod, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all with the same handle, at Barrels and Barrels Pod. X, formerly known as Twitter, at Barrels and Barrels. And you can email us if you'd like to do that. If you have any, like, nagging things that you hate about I can't believe Michael DFA'd that bottle. Are you serious? Or you just want to rip us a new one. Just head on over there. Barrels oh, and barrels at gmail.com. You can also order a hat or some Glen's, uh, Glen Karen's or a two ounce glass, or you might get the last whiskey wisdom glass because there's only a few left. Head on over to our Instagram page. There is a link tree there, or you can email us and we'll get you that link for you to send that order form. Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Amazon, Google, and iHeartRadio podcast is where you can find us if Stitcher is still around. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button on Spotify. Also, there's a poll in this on Spotify, vote in the poll. It's going to be who's going to win the AL East. Or it's not the AL East, the AL West. So go vote. I tell you, I'm going to regret this. Um, not editing this one. Go vote in that poll. Uh, and if you do rate us and review us on Spotify or Apple or Amazon, we'll give you a shout out. We'll talk to you on air. Maybe we'll even send you a sticker uh, for the review and the rating. So head on over there and go do that. And uh, help us out. Tell us what you think. 
We love doing this for you every every week. We're trying to put this out every week for you uh, consistently. So thank you. You guys are uh, why we do it. Absolutely. Very good points there, Brandon. Yes. So, Brandon, if you could do us a favor, though, and roll us out here. Let's go.